You're listening to a podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. We've created this series of short audio pieces to introduce listeners to what we do. As historians of emotions, we look to the past to understand our feelings in the present. In this episode, Edgar Gerard Hughes explores the sounds and the meanings of grief, from mournful keening to agonised silence. A voice is heard in Rama, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. Imagine the sounds of mourning and you will probably hear a cacophony. Overwhelmed by the enormity and finality of death, a frantic despair floods our senses and overcomes our will. We wail, rend our clothes, collapse on our knees. We surrender to the animal despair, like Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. He dashed his head against the knotted trunk and, lifting up his eyes, howled not like a man but like a savage beast being goaded to death with knives and spears. This is an image of mourning that's represented in funerary cultures around the world. In some parts of India, overt displays of emotion are taboo for social elites. So high-status mourners hire rudali, or weeping women, to sob and moan on their behalf. There are similar traditions in China, the Mediterranean and the Middle East and the roots of all these practices stretch back centuries. In the Irish tradition of keening, women would trill trembling, high-pitched laments that mimicked the sound of wailing. Today, that tradition has died out. But this was grief as it sounded to centuries' worth of sorrowing Celts. This 1957 recording from Aran, on the west coast of Ireland, is one of the few that survive. This desolate wail in the face of death is not unique to humans. The image of a howling dog is just as evocative. And there are even recordings of elephants mournfully trumpeting when they encounter their dead. But for many in the 19th century... There was another sound that characterised grief, much more authentically than any of this. The sound of silence. Elizabeth Barrett Browning expressed this in a poem entitled Grief. Departed man express, grief for thy dead in silence like to death. Most like a monumental statue set in everlasting watch and moveless woe, till itself crumble to the dust beneath. Touch it, the marble eyelids are not wet. If it could weep, it would arise and go. Until the 19th century, professional mourners were common at English funerals too. But unlike Irish keeners or Indian Rudali, funeral mutes were silent, as their name suggests. They dressed in black and stood outside the house of a bereaved family, or marched beside a mourning train in expressionless sobriety. The idea that grief was mute and ineffable was not confined to literature, Henry Maudsley was perhaps the most prestigious British psychologist of his time, and he wrote about the nature of sorrow. The show of grief is often greater than the grief itself. He who is wholly absorbed in the passion of sorrow cannot speak and see it. 
Its violence transports and, so to speak, hypnotises. The hysterical woman who rends the air with shrieks and appalls the spectator with her bodily writhings does not suffer much. Indeed, the performance of her grief often yields her a degree of secret gratification. In other words, for him, there are two griefs. The first is frantic, tearful, ephemeral and apparently effeminate. The second, still, silent, masculine and profound. 19th century scientists return to this dichotomy again and again. William James, often known as the founder of psychology, made a similar distinction. On the one hand, he described a pungent pleasure of a crying fit, in which every nerve and muscle was taut and alert. The second was a dry and shrunken sorrow that leaves us numb and incapable of movement. These reactions seem like exact opposites, and yet they are supposed to express the same underlying feeling. How can this be? Are they even the same emotion? Perhaps there is not one stable thing called grief, but a complicated mess of emotions. In our attempts to bring order to this emotional turmoil, to make meaning out of suffering, we reveal much about what we most value and believe. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. It's part of the Living with Feeling project funded by the Wellcome Trust. We hope it helps you feel better.